They might actually come with you. That might actually be worse than the denial, right? No, I'm just kidding. Acts chapter 1, we're going to finish up our Christmas sermon series. You said, Pastor Don, I thought we were talking about Christmas and Jesus being born. We are, amen. How many of you know there comes a time when it's time to open the presents? It's time to use what's in the box. It's time to put it in service to do with what it was designed to be given for, right? There's a time to open presents. There's a time to do things. Can you repeat with me this? Christmas is not a holiday. Say it with me. Christmas is not a holiday. Christmas is an evangelistic advent. The world has made it a holiday. Christmas is not a holiday. Christmas gets lost in those things as much as everything else does. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to celebrate. Hello, church. We're going to talk about today as we finish giving our Christmas gifts away. What if we got up one Christmas morning instead of opening the presents, we took them to someone and gave them all away? Giving Christmas away. I want to look at, as we close the end of this sermon series today, I want to look at our last will and testament of Jesus Christ. I want to look at that, but the best thing, the best gift that you have today is not something that you bought from a store. It's not something that you ordered, hello church, online. The best gift you have and that you give away today is a gift that cannot be purchased with money. It's called the gift of Jesus Christ. He's the best gift that you have to give away. And I know, even in that video, a lot of us see our own selves as the guy who's doing the invite. Now, a lot of us are intimidated to share our faith. Like the devil comes to us to lie to us. He comes to us the moment we think about sharing. He comes to convince us that people don't really want to hear it. That people aren't interested. I mean, don't say anything to somebody. You might offend them. But I want to ask you this question, church. What's really better? What's really better? Spending eternity in heaven, walking with Jesus, where there's no more tears, no more sorrows, no more sickness, no more death, or spending an eternity weeping and gnashing teeth in a lake of fire. Which is better, heaven or hell? I said, which is better, heaven or hell? I'm going to preach to this side today. What's the matter with you? I'm one of those audience participation preachers. You're not going to scare me. Why? Why are we so embarrassed? Which is better, heaven or hell? Why we go through life? You, you know, we, we experienced all the things in our own life before we came to Christ. And we can testify to the goodness of the hand of the Lord. Why would someone want to go through life downtrodden, sorrow, condemned, heavy burdened by habits and addictions and sin that has entangled and ensnared their life? When we have the opportunity to share the great news of Jesus Christ. And if you think about your own life and you think about the people around you, which is better, the freedom and the liberty that you now walk in in Jesus Christ or the bondage and burden that you used to walk in and the people around you are walking in? Which is better, freedom or bondage? Hi, we got it. Watch out. Absolutely freedom is better. 
So why are we so embarrassed when it comes to sharing sometimes? You know, you meet somebody whose life is miserable and you're worried about offending them? I mean, why not go up to them and say, look, I'm sorry, I really don't want to try and offend you, but your life is miserable. How about I give you another option? You ever been sitting across the break room who somebody that you work with starts talking about how their life is miserable because their marriage is a wreck or their family's a wreck or, or their finances are a wreck? You ever experienced that? Maybe you're across the, the fence with your neighbor and they're just sharing about, you know, how about just say, look, man, I'm not trying to offend you, but your life's miserable. How about I give you another option? How about I give you another option? His name is Jesus. That's a bold step in our faith. It's a bold step in presenting the good news of Jesus Christ to a community of people around us. In Acts chapter 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive. Can you say alive? Alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not. Can you say not? Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him. Out of their sight. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, we've been talking about this series, Born to Give. Today's title is The Born Ultimatum. How many of you like ultimatums? How many of you have ever been given an ultimatum? How, how many of you have ever given an ultimatum? Ultimatums. Are, are, are things that, you know, we think about we don't like unless we're the ones giving them. There's an ultimatum in the scripture, the born ultimatum. Ultimatum simply is this. It's a final statement of terms made by one party to another. It's, there's an ultimatum. This is it. This is the way it's going to be. We look at the final words of Jesus in the scripture. What we do is we find an ultimatum. We find his final words. It's very clear. We think about Christmas. We don't often think about his final words. We often think about, you know, Christmas. Baby Jesus. But there comes a time, church, when the box has to be unwrapped. And what's inside of it has to be used. A gift that isn't used, hello church, isn't much of a gift. 
There comes a time when we've got to open it. And when we get to Acts, what we see is the opening of Christmas. We see what God is doing inside of it. All the disciples are standing around. Jesus is given this final thing, this final statement. They're, they're listening and they're talking. They're having this conversation. And right before their eyes, he gets lifted up into the air. And a cloud takes him out of their sights. They stand around. He's gone. Like he's gone. We talked about this moment when the disciples had to look at each other and go, what do we do now? Well, well, well if we're going to follow the instructions of the Lord, the first thing he said to them to do, are you taking notes? The first thing he said for them to do was to be empowered by the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit of God. He said, I don't want you to do anything until you are filled with the Spirit of God. Now think about this, because I know how you grew up, and you grew up the same way I grew up, where our parents were always on top of us saying, don't just stand around, do something. You go to work and your boss man is on top of you, don't just stand there, do something, right? I, I, listen, I ran a meat department for a number of years, and I'd come in and find my meat cutter standing around, leaning against the wall, and I'd always say, look, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to... Get that hose over there, break that machine down, clean that thing up, what you... You're in a meat department. I don't have time for you to pick your nose. Let's go. Paying you by the hour. You're doing standing around. Right? Inevitably, I'd leave and I'd go have to do something. I'd come back and I had 13 meat cutters. All of them are standing around picking each other's nose. What are you guys doing? Let's go. You ever felt that kind of pressure? Like maybe even at home, you know, you're expecting to get, you got to, listen, here's the thing. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, don't just do something, stand there. I mean, it goes against the grain of everything I feel in my being. I just ask my wife, it's the roughest thing for me to do, nothing. Like, you know, I can take it for a few hours a day, maybe two days or whatever, and then I'm like out of my gourd. I got to go do something. Jesus says, I don't want you to do it. I want you to stand there until the promise of the Father comes. Why? Don't do anything. Don't witness. Don't pray for anybody. Don't start evangelizing. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. How many of you people like to open up Christmas presents early? Shame on you. Ruined Christmas. How many of you like to wait till the day of Christmas to open Christmas presents, right? Like, like I used to be a hard nose about it, right? My daughter always growing up, she would be like, man, dad, you never let us open presents because it's not Christmas. And I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot softer a little bit, and now she gives me a hard time about that. Wow, you never let me open presents early. Now the kids come around and you just go ahead. What's the point in wrapping it? She got her Christmas boots on this morning already. 30 years old. She still hadn't broke herself from the habit of opening presents early. She's probably one of those that came home with the boots and say, Brian, look what you bought me for Christmas. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and Brian's like, yes. <laughs> he said, I want you to be empowered. I want you to be filled. See, when we, we, we've got to get to a place where, what does that mean? Well, number one, number one, we've got to 
take care of something right away, right now, right here. We've been building up to this. You've got to be saved. You've got to surrender your heart and life to the Lord before there can be a feeling. There's got to be a commitment. That last song we sang, my heart is yours. Take it all. There's got to be that aspect of it. And then when that happens, when we give our life to the Lord, when we stop playing Mickey Mouse games with our life, when we realize that our life is miserable and there's another option and his name is Jesus, when we surrender to him, then there's an infilling. Jesus says this, I'm going to send the comforter, the helper, the teacher, my Holy Spirit to abide and dwell on the inside of you. In John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on his disciples and the Bible says that the Spirit came within them. And so in Acts, it's odd. It's, it's really odd because all the time, church is about doing, church is about doing, church is about doing, church is about doing. And here we see Jesus saying, don't wait. I want to be honest with you. If, you. if you offer, if you give me the option of a manual screwdriver... And a cordless drill that I'm taking the DeWalt every time. Right? If you give me the option between a hand saw and a skill saw, like I'm finding an outlet somewhere. They'll both do, the manual screwdriver will do the same thing as a cordless drill. The hand saw will do the same thing as the skill saw, right? But it's much easier, isn't it? Like, I was building a shelf in the closet this week, and, and, and I, I got this board cut real beautiful. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to add this shelf in. I've got a little space here that's really kind of dead space, and I, I need a place for my ammo, right? So I'm going to build this little space. Come on, you with me, Huli, right? Got to have an ammo space, right? So I'm like, this will work perfect. The box of shells will fit in there just beautiful, and it'll all be there. And so I'm going to put this. I cut this board, and I, I got it all put in there, and I had to recut it to make it fit just perfect. Man, I'm telling you, I was so proud of myself. Like, Phil Stuckey would have hired me. It was so perfect. Like, it was fitting in there perfect, and I, I got it lifted up inside of there, and I'm going to have to screw it, you know, from the bottom up into to the mounts and all of that. Oh, was, I was so excited. I got my drill out. I got one hand holding it up and, and the screws on there, and my drill would not fit inside the space. Like, I'm in panic mode. This is not going to work. My drill is too big to get in the space to screw this screw up in there. So, you know, I've got this manual screwdriver in my hand. I put that down. I spent 15 minutes trying to figure out how to get my drill in that space. <laughs> Finally, I gave up. It took me two minutes with the manual screwdriver to screw the screw in. 15 minutes I wasted trying to... I'm going to choose the cordless drill every time, man. I want the power, right? I want the power. Listen, the listen, not the 12-volt anymore. No, 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 no. Not the 18-volt. I got to have the 22-volt. I got to have the real stuff, man. Like, this thing's got to be gassed and powered and ready to go. I mean, I, I got to have the power behind it. My wife, all the time we, we pick on, uh, on my wife, you know, because I'm not really a Tim the Tool Man fan at all. I just, I don't believe in shows that make the dad look like a buffoon and an idiot and all of those good stuff. I don't believe in those shows, right? I, I do that enough. I don't need another show putting a bias in my wife's heart. I just don't need that, all right? We don't watch that at my house. We don't watch Everybody Loves Raymond because we don't do that. We don't watch King of Queens because, listen, there's enough, there's enough in the world that's against a man leading, right? And we make enough mistakes as it is. Without them trying to make it funny. It's not funny to me. 
But my wife, I'll start doing something, and boy, she'll go Jill Taylor on me in a heartbeat, right? She'll go, oh my, do I need to leave the house? Shouldn't you call Phil to do that? Should we really have somebody else do that? And I'm like, oh great, Jill Taylor, here we go. I go out in the garage and call Phil. Hey, Phil, can you tell me how to do this? <laughs> Jesus says, don't go anywhere until you've been empowered. So much of our life is trying to live it on our own ability. And look how far that's gotten us. It's a good day when I get to plug a power equipment into the wall. Right? Like I told this church is for men because we build around houses. This is the only church where if you're a man in the if you're a man that comes to this church, at some point in your life, you are guaranteed to work a piece of heavy equipment around here. Guaranteed. Like Phil turned me loose with a, a skid steer one day back here. But I'm just telling you, I just was like, Jesus, can you wait one more day, please? I just got can I take this with me when I go? Like I need a skid steer in heaven. Here at FFM, we believe in the power of God's word, and God's word is number one. And the number one thing in God's word is this, you must be born again. What good is Christmas and a Savior if we don't accept it? What good is a gift that we don't accept? And then be filled with the Spirit, and so much of, of, of church today has made the Spirit, the things of the Spirit so spooky and weird. Listen, it's authentic, it's Bible, it's in there. Everything is there and in order. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's the Spirit of God being released to come on us and move through us. In Matthew chapter 28, watch this, watch this, verse 16. It says, the 11, uh, and then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, listen, listen to these words now. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and in earth. Therefore, go in my name. Go in my name. Go cast out devils. Go lay hands on the sick. Do what we did this morning and declare healing. Jesus said to do it. How many of you know when Jesus prayed for sick folk, they got better? He says, go, do those things, right? But wait until you've been empowered by the Spirit of God. Why? Because when you go, you can't go and do those things in your own ability. You've got to go and do them in my ability. So much of church today is done in man's strength and man's ability, and we wonder why the power of God doesn't rest on us anymore. He's given us the authority to walk in his right, his privilege as a son of God, so much so that he tells us you are now sons and daughters of God. So what are we supposed to do? Be filled with the Spirit. We've got to get saved and be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can walk in his ability. Let me just tell you something. To be the people of God in the community, to impact the community, we're going to need the Spirit of God. Ultimatum number two, now we can go. Now we can go. Get off your duff and go. There's a time to get up and go, right? Do something with your Christmas gift. 
do something with your Christmas gift. Go to the highways and byways. But the purpose and the focus of church has been skewed and, and so far twisted that we don't even understand it anymore. We think that church is for heathens. Well, that's why the church is here to, to win the loss. The church is here, amen, to, to, to witness to the agnostics or to, to teach the atheists that God really does exist. Or church is here to, to, to try and, and, and touch the sinners in that way. But the Bible teaches me that the church is here to make disciples and it's disciples' job to go out into the world and win sinners. It's disciples jobs to show the heathen that God is alive and well. It's the disciples job to teach the atheists that God's not dead, church. Come on. This is what the church should be about is making disciples. When we make disciples, then it's it's an outgoing, it's an automatic outflow of who we are that people will get saved. That God will be revealed. That people will be healed and delivered and set free when we make disciples. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that bill. I don't know what's going on in that bill. I don't know. You ever, you ever just met somebody who walked in the front door of a church and just showed up and go, Man, I, I, have, I had no idea what this building was all about. And I have no idea why I'm standing here this morning. I just thought, I saw a building I just walked in. I mean, it's just like, oops, I'm here. Never met a soul do that. Right? I'm talking about going. I'm not talking about the tar and feather religion type kind of thing where we, if we don't go, Jesus is going to tar us and beat us. I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. The person who, who, who's been going through a hard time or a difficult time that you know, God says, go make a disciple. You should be able to go to that person and say, hey, how about coming to church with me? Ah, church is not my thing. You know what my answer to that is? When a person that I know whose life is, is going through a hard time, they're just playing out miserable. And I say, you should come to church with me. And they go, ah, church is not my thing. I go, yeah, I think it is. Because evidently what's going on right now ain't your thing either. I mean, I'm just bold about it, right? No, I think it is your thing. Like, I've got another option for you. Right? Why don't you come and see? Why don't you understand that God is wanting to do something in your life? I'm gonna, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come pick you up. I'm going to be at your house at, come on now, 8.30. So, hey, new year, we got new service times, 9 o'clock. I'm coming to your house at 8.30. I'm going to pick, nah, man, I'm not coming. Sunday's my day to sleep in. Great, great. I'll be at your house at 10.30 because second service starts at 11. You show up at their house at 10.30 with a big old Starbucks in your hand. Hey, I brought you one too. Right? Great Lakes chocolate. I don't know. Whatever. Big B. Big Daddy. I don't know. Tim Hortons. Like, hello somebody coffee shops right out there. Swing by here and pick it up and take it to them. Take the whole pot if it'll get them to come to church. I don't care. We'll pour you a gallon. Look, I don't want to offend you. I just want you to know there's a better way. 
Don't be shy. Don't be intimidated. Go make disciples. Get out where lost people are. Church isn't about getting only. It's not only about getting the lost saved and getting people to come to church. Church is about believers gathering themselves together, recharging, learning and edifying, then going out into the streets and winning the lost. How do I know that? Why do I believe that? Because Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus talked to prostitutes. I know what's going to happen, you know, right? If we're ever in one of those spots, you see Pastor Don on the corner talking to a prostitute, right? Everybody's brain goes, oh. Jesus had lunch with tax collectors and rich people. What's he doing? How does he know who they are? And Jesus said, look. The sick need a doctor. That's why I'm here. And that's why you're here. So much of church is opening our doors and saying, y'all come. They ain't coming. Y'all come. Come do our thing. Come, get, you know. No, the Bible never says open the doors and wait for them to come. The Bible always tells us to go. Once you've been empowered, then what? Go. Go. Let me give you a survey. I almost posed on. How many of y'all Facebook friends with me? How many of y'all not? What's the matter with y'all? Are you, are you saved? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, tomorrow, this afternoon, I'm having a million and one friend requests, right? I read this survey. I almost posted it on Facebook. I read it, but I want to save it for today. All right? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Survey was done in multiple churches. And the believers in the churches were asked this question. What is the number one priority and focus of the church? What is the purpose of the church? Do you know what the number one answer was? Survey says, are you ready? This was the number one answer. What's the purpose of the church? This was an answer by born-again believers. The answer was to meet my needs. So I'm glad you moaned like that because we need some help in children's church. Like I set you up. Set you up right there. Okay, that's a little bit selfish, isn't it? That was the number one answer, to meet my needs. You know what the number two answer was? The number two answer was to reach out and impact the world. And that's not bad. It's not bad. At least it's inside the top five. Meet my needs. And our goal as a church then is to reach the world. But then later on in the survey, this, this question was asked. Are you ready? Later on the survey, this question was asked. Like, here's the question. Whose responsibility is it to fulfill the purpose which you stated above, which is meeting my needs and impacting the world? Whose responsibility of that is? 90%, 90, 90% of the people who answered the question answered it this way. They said it is the pastor's responsibility, duty, and obligation to meet all the needs that I have in my life and then 
to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why you all are messed up. You wait on me to meet. Listen, I'm not that good. I'm still working on my own stuff. Trying to get a drill to work here. I'm not that good. What do he see here at FFM? We believe what to be the people of God in the community to impact the community. That's what we believe. Amen. Amen. All right, now I'm preaching to this side again. And in the world we live in, it's broken. It's darkness. I mean, the world has gone crazy, church. Hey, come on. The world has literally lost its mind as if it ever had it. When babies are dying, something's broken. When we've got to go to funerals of 10-year-olds, something's broken. Hello, church. Like, I know God is sovereign, and I know God is good, and I'm over that, and I can, I can accept that. But there's still something inside of me that says, God, I know you said you work all things for your good. I know you take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for your good. But God, I, I guess all I can do is trust you in this matter, right? Like, we live in a world, I'm going to be honest with you, we need to pray for our police officers. They can't sit in a car and not be assassinated. Like, they put on a bulletproof vest and a gun and go to work and make less money than you do. I know. I went through the police academy in Florida. I understand what they make. And I told the first service, I said, just a wild idea here. Just a wild idea. If we're going to be the people of God in the community to impact our community, what if this church was to host a dinner in honor of all the police officers in St. Joe County? Just to say, thank you. And we appreciate, I know they probably wrote you some tickets. Get over it. Stop speeding. The world has lost its mind. Listen to me. The Bible says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And you and I live in those days. We're leaders who will call themselves Leaders of a certain culture of people would march down the street and call himself a reverend and let people behind him literally chant, what do we want, dead police, and when do we want them now? He is responsible for the death of those police officers. And he's not a reverend. Y'all didn't help me. If I had the power, I would revoke that status. Number one, I don't want you calling me reverend to start with. Jesus Christ gets all the reverence. I'm good with PD. I'm just telling you, if the church doesn't get up and start calling right, right, and wrong, wrong, we will continue to live in a world that calls evil good and good evil. And I would say this to everybody who's listening. The men and women who work in law enforcement, are not perfect just like you're not perfect. Right? They deserve our, our support and our encouragement. If they do wrong, we let their leaders deal with them. But I, I say this. I, I think it's a great idea, and I'm not real sure what will come of it, but we'll see.
What do we believe here? We've got to be the people of God in the community. You're empowered. You're equipped. You've got good news. You go share the good news that God has given you. You pray. Your family can pray. You can pray for people and things around you and miracles will happen. So you'll need to be filled with the Spirit of God so you can then go. Number three, let's move along quickly here. We've got to broadcast the news. I mean, this is our job. This is what God has called us to do. In Mark 16, Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28, go make disciples. Teach the nation. Luke 24, Jesus says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Go make disciples. Go and preach the good news. Well, most people hear the word preacher, preacher. You know what they do? Oh, my goodness. Here we go. I go, listen to this guy. All he's going to do is beat me over the head with a Bible. Turn or burn. That's going to be the message today. That's the title of his message each week. Get right or get left was the week before. The one before that was titled, What in Hell Do You Want? Y'all get that later. All the image they have of preachers today is a finger in their face condemning them for what they already know they're struggling with. I don't preach that way. Do I believe we need to stop living in sin? Yes. Hello, church. Do I believe there's an answer to that? Yes. His name is Jesus. But if Jesus can't fix you, neither can I. But I know he can. I'm not asking you to go stand on a street corner and preach. I'm not asking you to stand on the middle of the table in break room. Listen, it's your job. It's probably not going to go over well if tomorrow morning you get up and you get on top of the break room table and you scream to everybody who's in there, right? Jesus is coming. Get right or get left. All you sinners, every one of you, there's hell to pay. That's probably not going to go over well. Like you'll probably be in the boss's office. I'm not opposed to fiery preaching. You hear me. I'm not opposed to fiery preaching. I kind of like it. But there's a time and place for that. Now what you're going to do tomorrow at the break table is you're going to share the life that's within you. When you're sitting across from that coworker who's struggling and their life is miserable... You're going to share the life that's inside of you. Let me give you another option. Like, let me give you another option. His name is Jesus. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about churchy stuff. I'm not talking about all this garbage. I'm talking about the man who came to love you just how you are. I'm talking about the man who changed my life and transformed me because I was miserable once too. We're going to proclaim what God is doing in our lives. We're going to tell about it. We're going to pray about it. How God turned the situation around. You're just going to share the life that's inside of you, church. So in your sharing, God's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you the words. God's going to say it. You say, how do I know what to say? How do I know what to preach? Remember what our first ultimatum was? Be empowered. Let God do it. Brian and I were walking in the hospital last night, and we prayed, and we were just like, Lord, give us wisdom. And as we started to walk to harvest, I just told Brian, I said, this is one of those times where, listen, you don't have to have an answer. All you got to do is go and love people, man. There is no answer. We just got to go and love people. 
Just got to love on folk. And then, you know, people started showing up. Family started showing up. And then people from FFM started showing up. And, you know, I'm in the back. And, and Johnny and, and, and Angie are weeping, not because, you know, they're hurt or in pain, but because they felt the love of their family and their church coming around them. So that's the way it should be. I told the nurse and the security guard that was there, I said, you know, they were like, wow, all these people, like, we're not North Park, we're not the big hospitals, look, that whole place is full. I said, this is what happens when you build community like you're supposed to. Won't you come be a part of us? Just a hop, skip, and jump away, come on. Ultimatum number four. I'm going to spend a little time here. You know this. We've got to do away with the old sin. You've got to be baptized. You know, that's the whole idea of baptism is to do away with the old men. You know, we preach it. He said, now, go baptize them. You know, this aspect. Listen, baptism doesn't save you. Can you hear me? Baptism doesn't save you. Water doesn't save you. It's not about salvation. You know what baptism is about? Baptism is about identifying. Jesus, he was, he was dead buried and resurrected. Baptism is about identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Baptism is unique to Christianity in that setting. Like we're the only ones who can identify with the penalty that our God paid so that we could be together with him through baptism. It's a public declaration of what God's already done on the inside. If you're a born-again believer and you've never been baptized, you need to identify with Christ in that way. If you haven't, it's not like you're not going to go to heaven. That's not the deal. But there is a public identification with Jesus that I think is very important. And more and more and more mainstream religion and sugar-coated Christianity is identifying less with the one who died for us and more with the one who doesn't care about us. Y'all didn't help me. You're the righteousness of Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, bought by his blood, paid for by his blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves, sanctifies, and sets me free, man. It's his blood that made my home heaven. It's his blood that secured eternity for me. Nothing else delivered me but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm honored to be identified with it in that way. How about this? We got to go. We got to lead people to freedom. We got to lead people. And he says here, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is not like teaching them the Ten Commandments. This is not like trying to disciple. See, the Pharisees and religion today, they do the same thing. They try to disciple men and women to a teaching. Jesus did not do that, He discipled people to Himself. He said, If you love me, then you keep my commandments. He didn't say by keeping my commandments you prove that you love me. He said it starts with relationship. Right? So because I love my wife, I do my best to separate the coloreds and the whites. I do my best. I, she switches them sometimes on me. And like yesterday, the white hamper was the first one and the colored was the second one. And then she switched them when she did laundry. And now the white one is the second one. I have no idea. I can't keep up with it. Can't keep. And then, 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 then when it comes to doing laundry, I've got clothes mixed everywhere. And like Volcano Lisa happens. There's lava all over everything. And I just stand back. This is what happens. Every time. In the laundry room, I can hear this mumbling. Can you hear it? It's just, I'm like, oh boy, I messed up the clothes this time. I can hear it way across the house. 
And it's hilarious. I just want to videotape it one day and put it on YouTube. I'm sorry. Trying. (laughs) She says, this is colored. This is dark. This is white. Listen, it's all colored to me. White is a color. Throw it in there. White's a color. Color's gone. So we got to teach people what it means to walk in relationship. It's not one thing to get them to see. It's the aspect that just gets people say, Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my life. He's the Lord of my life. You know what? I never want to get to heaven and tell the Lord that I won a thousand people to the Lord, but I never discipled one. I'd rather say, Lord, I discipled 10 people to walk with you. Come on, church. We encourage to be born again. We encourage them to, to accept Christ. We want them, but what we want to do inside of that, when they accept Christ, is say, come and grow, come and grow, come and grow. Come and grow. That's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. That's what church is all about. All right, I got to move along. I want to give you this. Here's the challenge. Where's Anna, honey? Oh, she's gone. Come on, Eddie. She gone. You'll do. <laughs> He's used to it. All right, you ready? You got your notes out? It's time to open the present. It's time to open the it's time to open the present. Are you with me? It's time to put the gift to use. I want you to write down on your piece of paper the names of three people that you're not sure if they know the Lord or not in your life. Three people in your circle of influence. You might not even know their name. Maybe it's the little girl who's so jacked up on caffeine behind Starbucks coffee counter because she gets free coffee and you don't. And you see her every day when you go into the coffee shop and she's like Hammy the squirrel trying to give you your coffee. Maybe it's her. You see her little bobby tail bouncing around and maybe it's her. Maybe it's the older gentleman or older lady at Walmart that you see every time you walk into Walmart. Like you see them every time. You walk into Walmart. Maybe it's somebody in your family. I want you to write those three people down on that piece of paper. And I double dog dare you to track them for one year. Track them for the year of 2015. Here's the goal. Buckle your seatbelt. I want every member of FFM Centerville and FFM Kalamazoo to lead one person to Christ by Christmas of next year. One person. When I go to Texas Roadhouse with Merle Schwartz, there's a young man who waits table in there. When that young man sees Merle Schwartz walk into that restaurant, he will literally just about kill every other waitress and waiter in that restaurant to wait on Merle. Like there's no wait time. He sees Merle walk in, and he's like, I want him at my table, and I want him now. You know why? Because Merle's built a relationship with that young man. 
Like my wife and I are there. We'll go there by ourselves. It's the same young man. He's there, right? I'm like, hey, that's the guy who always waits on, on us when we're with Merle. We're like, hi. And I'm just telling you, he's a freak over Merle Schwartz. There's 400 people here or more that call this place home. Let's alleviate. Let's just do away with all the kids in that count. Let's say there's 200 adults. Imagine if 200 adults would say, God, this year I want you to use me with this challenge to lead one person to Christ. I want to do it this year. Use me, help me, help me. And what do you have to do for those people that are on your list? Here it is. I want you to pray for them on a daily basis. I want you to bless them by doing a random act of kindness. You know why that young man loves to wait on Merle Schwartz when he comes in there? Because Merle has blessed him. Merle knows his name. Merle knows about his family. Every time he goes in there, that kid can't wait to wait on Merle. It helps that he's probably a pretty good tipper. But if I've got to be a good tipper in order to build a relationship, how many of you know that money spent in eternity is well worth it? You want to build church? You want to build the kingdom of God? Listen to what I'm telling you. Connect with people. Connect with them. Learn their name. Talk to them. Look them in the eye. Evangelize. Just do the things that are natural. How are you? What's going on with you? Remember the last conversation you had about something that was going on in their life and remind them of it. Invite them to church. I hear people all the time, oh, I, you know, I'd invite people to church, but I don't know. Right? Here's a statistic for you. 82% of people will come to church if you invite them. 82% of people who don't go to church said in a survey that if someone they knew who did go to church invited them, they would go. All right, so let's just, maybe you think, wow, I'm not sure that's reality. 50% is good. If half the people you invite come, are you with me? Like, we'll just put a tent out front. We'll put them out there. I don't know. Share with them as the opportunity arises. This is what you're going to do. Write down these three names. Write down these three names. It's time to open the gift. It's not enough to get a Christmas present and not use it. What does that say about a gift you give that you never use? You didn't want it or appreciate it to start with. And if Jesus Christ is our Christmas gift, church, hello. Y'all stand with me. If Jesus Christ is our Christmas gift, we've been given it. It's time to give him away. Right? And so this is how we're going to do it. Lord knows what this place will look like by 2015. Right? If every person in this room wins one person this year to the Lord. How do we know we can do it? Because in chapter 4 of Acts, the Bible says that when they prayed, they prayed this prayer. They said, grant unto your servants with all boldness that we might preach your word that signs and wonders would accompany. When you share, I want you to pray that way. Here's what I'm going to do right now in this place. With every head lifted and every eye open. Everybody look around you. Look around you right now. How many of you are willing, willing to be used by God this year? I said every head raised and every eye open. 
How many of you are willing to be used by God? God sees it. I saw it. The cameras have saw it. Everybody watching on the internet saw it. There's a new remote camera back there. It's panning all over the congregation. Here's what I want. When you lead someone to Christ, I want you to let one of us leaders know. I want you to email us their information and their name. Listen, we've got like a thermometer they put up there before church that lets you know how our debt reduction's going. Like we owe like $80,000 now and, and it's getting really close to everything being paid, right? We're getting real close. We keep up with that. What if we create a, mon- a, a thermometer with souls saved? Right? This next year. What if we kept that up front for us all to see? That would be more encouraging than a money thermometer because then the kingdom's growing. Email us. Let us know. We're going to check them off because we're looking at, we're looking at saying, wow, we'd like to see 200 souls saved next year. Y'all crazy. If we track it all year, I want to see how many people. I believe we can see more people come to the Lord next year than we've ever seen in our life. And this will be our Christmas gift to our community. This will be our Christmas gift to them. Not to mention maybe a dinner for the police officers. I'm still, still burning this in my brain. If we did that, it's going to take a lot of work. I said if we did that, it's going to take a lot of work. I mean, so y'all going to have to be here to serve. I, I don't even know where we do it. God will work it out. Let me pray for you. You ready? Raise your hand to the Lord. Father, I'm going to pray for my friends, my family, God, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray right now that you grant unto them all boldness to proclaim and share the good news of the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, as as the pastor over this place and these people, God, I break all shame in Jesus' name. I break all fear in the name of Jesus. I bind all security and I release the boldness of God on Firm Foundation Ministries in Centerville and in Kalamazoo right now in the name of Jesus. God, let upon every believer that calls this place home, I pray right now your supernatural power and presence to come upon them with boldness and liberty. Lord, fill them up with your Holy Spirit and your power. God, maybe we be clothed in your power and your presence that when we go into the highways and byways, the hurting, the broken, the wounded, even to those that look like they don't have any problems, God, but they're hurting on the inside. I pray that they will see you, Lord. God, help us to love those people and demonstrate the good news. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. And everyone who says, I'm willing, said amen. Amen. Give God a hand of praise. Turn around tell somebody. You can do it. Win somebody to the Lord. Bless you. Merry Christmas. Remember, Christmas Eve right here, 7 o'clock candlelight service.